Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Well, I'm still here in Tenerife. I've got Monica next to me, <laughs> editing a video there. I have, well, I want to get down to business because I have two emails from people who have asked for a little bit of assistance and I promised them in this episode I would do my best to answer it. So I'm going straight in here with, with a conundrum that people, including myself, often have. And I begin from Joel. Freddie, I have a conundrum which I'd love your thoughts on. I'm in the market for my first big bike and I can't decide between a used Bonneville 2021 model or a brand new Royal Enfield Continental GT. The GT is slightly cheaper, but there's something about the Bonneville I can't shake. What would you do? Okay, before I compare the two, this is a predicament that I often have when I'm looking at bikes for myself, potential next bikes, for example. See, I have always been of the mindset that go out and buy a used vehicle, whether it's a car or a motorbike, because you will get the best deal and you will you jump over that appreciation, depreciation issue. So hopefully all of the big chunk of depreciation will have disappeared by the time you've got it. However, now more and more, I do understand the appeal of buying a new vehicle. You, you do cut out a lot of potential hassle. You get the three years warranty. You get the guarantee that it's going to be a very, very good, solid, reliable vehicle. And if there are any issues at all within the warranty period, there's absolutely zero stress. You just go straight back to the dealer and they will repair the vehicle for you with no concerns or no complaints at all. It will cost more, but chances are you're going to be paying for the new motorbike, the Continental GT in this instance. You're going to be paying for it on finance. And the problem I've had in the past, every time I buy a used bike, I always end up saying, okay, right, I've got my, my dream bike here in my mind and I'm desperate to own it. And it always ends up taking me about four years to save up for my dream vehicle. So what happens is I spend a huge amount of time desperately trying to save up for a vehicle. I then completely wipe my bank account, so I'm on zero. I'm then in an atrocious financial situation by the time that I've actually bought the vehicle. And I've had three, four years of hell desperately trying to save up for it. Whereas my mind's slightly changing a bit. I started looking at buying vehicles in a slightly different way, maybe being a bit more open-minded than I used to be with regards to finance, because the great thing about finance, you know, especially on a used vehicle, but even on the older ones as well, the great thing is you don't need to worry about the months and months of strict religious saving and wiping out your bank account completely. Yes, you're going to be paying more if you finance a bike, but... You can get the vehicle you want immediately and you have the strict monthly repayments that the finance company will hold you to. And I mean that in a good way because it's some good discipline of paying back every single month. And you don't have to do that really long, tedious wait saving for a vehicle and wiping out your bank account. So 
I will come at this from a slightly different angle than usual, Joel, because if we look at the Bonneville, you're, you're looking at a pretty new one, one year old, a 2021 model, and they come in at around about 8.4K, 8,400 pounds sterling. Whereas if you're looking for a brand new Continental, that is around about 6,200 pounds. So you are paying 2,200 pounds more for the Bonneville over the Continental. Is it worth it and what should you do? So you're looking for your first big bike. 47 horsepower with the Continental. Now, this is an important thing to, to take into consideration. The Bonneville with 65 horsepower over the 47 horsepower of the Continental, it will mean that it has all the power you will ever need, whether you're going out two up with someone on the back, whether you're going touring, whether you're going out with a group of friends and you want to make sure you can keep up, it will do everything in its stride. It's a very, very good unstressed engine with more than enough power for all situations. It's also an extremely comfortable bike so you can tour Europe, tour the world with no issue at all in complete comfort. In my mind, the Triumph Bonneville T100 has no weak areas. It is for me, the, the ultimate do-it-all motorcycle. It has no weak areas at all. The Royal Enfield Continental is a very, very different bike. They may both be classically styled bikes, but the Continental is compromised. It's, for me, off-the-scale cool. It's a proper head-turner of a bike. It's got nostalgia coming out of its ears. It's a very, very fun bike to ride and it's, it's, it gives you an, a just incredible, incredible thrill every time you ride it. It really is an experience. It's the kind of bike that you take out on a Sunday for the most glorious back road, winding country lane blast or going out with your friends to bike meets. It's a glorious thing. But the Bonneville is a more rounded bike. If you buy the Continental, and it does depend on the kind of rider you are, the, there is a chance that in a year or so, you will end up looking for another bike if you're looking to do other stuff, for example, touring, or if you've got some friends with faster bikes, they may end up waiting for you every five or 10 minutes so you can catch up. That's the limitation with the 47 horsepower. It is also a noticeably less comfortable bike than the Bonneville. The Bonneville, however, could genuinely be a bike for life. So just bear in mind, if you go for the Continental, you will save money for one. You will lose almost nothing in depreciation because it is eye-opening how well they hold on to their value. So you're really not going to be losing any money on that. You'll have a lovely bike that you will enjoy riding, but there is a chance in a year's time you will look for a slightly more powerful bike. And that is down to personal preference. So just bear that in mind. Whereas with the Bonneville, if you're looking at it from a year-old model at 8.4K, yeah, that you're probably going to be seeing that drop down to around about the 6K mark within the next couple of years. So there may be, funnily enough, slightly more depreciation on the Bonneville, in my personal opinion, than the Continental. But it is a bike that you'll very probably hold on to for longer, and it's a bike that means it can be your only bike, whereas the Continental may need uh, a second bike as backup for those longer, faster rides. Joel, I hope that's helped. If it was my money, 
If it were my money, I would just, and it's very close, I would just go for the Bonneville for my personal needs and requirements for a bike. Let me know what you go for. I move on. And this is from Dermot. Hi, Freddie. I have quite similar taste when it comes to bikes. I'm currently in a market for my first bike, and I love the modern classics like a Bonneville. I also like a cruiser, so I'm really torn on what to buy. I change my decision about 10 times a day. Anyway, I'm going off topic. I'm working through your podcasts and was wondering if you would consider doing a segment on bike maintenance Basically just the kind that you need to do yourself between services, etc, etc. Especially for those of us who are new to biking. Like I said, I'm a total beginner and any sound bites would be great. Okay, Dermot's got a second bit to this that I'll get to in a second. But to answer your first point, Dermot. I would class myself as a, a fairly basic bike mechanic. I can do the basics, but if you give me too much or get too technical, I'll have no idea what I'm talking about. So I may actually be quite well placed to give you some tips because anything I can do, there's a very good chance you'll be able to do it yourself. The difference with bikes and cars is that genuinely you can do a huge amount of the work yourself. And it really does depend where you live. Uh, Dermot, I'm guessing by your name, I think you must be British or Irish. You know, in the UK, you're looking at minimum, minimum £65 an hour for labour costs to get your motorbike serviced. And if you go to a main dealer, you're going to be looking closer to the £100 an hour mark. Whereas in Tenerife, where we are right now, and it is a reason why I want to get both my car and bike serviced before we come back to the UK, you won't believe this, you go to a proper, good, big, reputable garage and it will be £24 an hour labour costs. That's just the cost of labour here. It's so, so different. So there's almost no point even working it yourself here because it's so cheap. Very different in the UK. So I actually have often been two, three years before I've taken some of my bikes to the mechanics to get their services because I do a lot of it myself. The things to look for and the things that you can easily do yourself, I promise you, oil change, air filter change, spark plug change, and the chain adjustment and of course chain oiling, chain cleaning. They're all the main servicing bits and they can all easily be done yourself. The only thing that I've never done is change the br brake fluid and also change the coolant. They're the only things I haven't done from the basic servicing. Even changing the brake pads on your bike, I promise you, it's actually incredibly easy. That's another job that I always do on my bikes. So. Don't be daunted by bike maintenance like you would car maintenance, because I'd never dream of doing car maintenance. I'm far too scared. But with a bike, it's very, very different. So all of the basic servicing, you will easily be able to do yourself. If I ever need parts, I'll go on to eBay. And what I do once a year, I'll make sure that I change the oil, the air filter, the and the spark plugs, actually. I'll do those three as an absolute oil, air filter, and spark plugs. Go onto eBay, you'll be able to find all of those parts for your bikes. I mean, you know, the oil, probably about 25 pounds. Change the oil filter at the same time, that's only about eight pounds. 
and you need the spark plugs, which I think they're just about five pounds each. It's all incredibly easy. Apart from that, for your chain, check your chain. I usually do it once every two weeks. I'm lying. I should do it once every two weeks. I do it about once every five weeks. But if you're sensible, unlike me, I would suggest you do it once every two weeks. And the way I do it for the chain is I get an old cloth and I get some engine degreaser. I spray the engine degreaser on the chain. If I don't have a ramp to lift the rear wheel up, I just move the bike with my feet two feet at a time. I then get some engine degreaser, spray it on the chain, put the cloth over the bottom part of the chain between the wheel and where the center stand would be. And I wrap the cloth completely around the chain and I give it a few wipes two feet at a time. Then I move the bike on to the next. And that's exactly how I oil the chain as well because I don't have a ramp. So you can just move it from one stage to the next. I say I don't have a ramp. I actually do have one. I got one about two months ago. If you go onto xlmoto.com, there is a custom motorcycle ramp for about 35 pounds and if i remember i'll try and include a link in this podcast description it's only 35 pounds it takes up almost no space at all and it's a game changer for just being able to move that rear wheel and easily lube and clean the chain so i will try my very best to remember to include that that's probably one of the must-have bits of bike maintenance kit that i've ever had i hope that helped Um, But all of it, honestly, give it a try yourself. You will easily be able to do it. Even the spark plugs for my Bonneville, taking off my tank on the Bonneville, removing the spark plugs and putting new spark plugs on, I timed it, I can do it within eight minutes. That's tank removal, it's just two screws. Off with the tank, pull out three wires, unscrew the spark plugs, put the new spark plugs in, done. It can be done in eight minutes. It's not daunting at all. Uh, Dermot, I'm moving on to your second point here. So, on a side note, pick one out of the five bikes uh, that I'm considering below. You can't pick the Bonneville though. So just to go back to it, Dermot uh, is looking for his first big bike and he's got the shortlist down to five bikes, but I've been told not to be boring and pick the Triumph Bonneville. So these are the shortlist of the five bikes. Yamaha XSR 700. Triumph Bonneville T100, Honda Rebel, Kawasaki Vulcan, and Royal Enfield Classic 350. So let's get rid of the Bonneville. Okay, fine. I'm not going to say it. We'll get rid of the Bonneville. Yamaha XSR 700. So that is a £5,000 bike for the 2016 model. I was actually surprised at how well these hold on to their value. I'd class it as a a neo-retro bike for anyone not familiar with it. Think of it a little bit like a mix between the Triumph Bonneville and the Triumph Trident, but with a a Japanese twist. It's got a circular black front headlamp. It's a good looking bike. It doesn't have the classic style of maybe a Kawasaki W800 or Triumph Bonneville, but it is a good looking bike. I know know a few owners of these and they do get good write-ups. And they really do hold their value very well. You know, six, six years old and they're still 5,300. They surely weren't, a, can't have been a whole load more than 7,000 pounds or so when they were brand new. So that will be a very, very good investment bike. You're not going to lose much money on it. 
It may not be the absolute best looking bike in my eyes, but it will be a very, very good bike. And it's a perfectly good looking bike. Honda Rebel 500. Now this is 4,200 pounds. And I've tested out the 1100 version of this. Again, a lot of people rave about this, the Rebel 500. And at 4,200 pounds, you can get a 2017 model. In fact, I'm looking at one here with 9,000 miles, 2020 model. 2020 model for under 4,000 pounds. It's a very, very good bike for not a lot of money. I'm looking at one here. Lovely looking bike. It's even got a, a springer seat. Very thin brown leather seat with two springs on either side of it. These are good looking bikes. And you can do a lot of fun customization to these. It's a proper, proper Bobber style bike. You know, this one here I'm looking at, three owner bike, 2019 model, 2000 miles on the clock, very reluctant sale from the owner because he has to replace his car. Upgraded spring seat, although the Honda Touring Pillion seat is still, uh, is available with the bike. It's a lot of bike for the money, that. It will be down on power with regards to the XSR 700. Let me just get to the final two. The Kawasaki Vulcan that I touched upon in last week's episode. Incredibly, incredibly, this 900cc Kawasaki Vulcan can be had for £4,295. That's for a 2010 model. So it is 12 years old compared to a two-year-old Vulcan, uh, compared to a two-year-old Honda Rebel. It's a lot older, 10 years older, eight years older, something like that, but you do get a lot more bike for the money. That extra engine size, that extra 400cc engine, you know, that, that will cost you, and the cost comes from the age of the bike. You're going to have to have a trade-off here. Do you want a bigger-engined cruiser motorcycle, but much older, or do you want the peace of mind of having a newer, smaller capacity engine? You're going to have to decide where you want the trade-off here, Dermot, between the two. And finally, we get to, and this is a good one because it's completely the other end of the spectrum, Royal Enfield Classic 350. Now, this brand new is £4,300. So what you've got here, Dermot, is a fantastic mix of bikes. You've got the Yamaha XSR 700, which will be by far the most fun, engaging, rewarding, dynamic bike. Uh, it will be in a league of its own if I'm not comparing the Bonneville. So I'll just brush over the Bonneville. The Yamaha will be a, in a league of its own with regards to all of the rest. You'll be able to keep up with almost everything on the road and you will have a fairly focused weapon on your hands. This will be something that you have a huge amount of fun with on the twists and turns. If you're looking for something far, far more relaxing, you'll go for any one of the other three bikes. The XSR out of all of them is the most rounded bike. You can do everything with it. It will have more than enough horsepower for you. And it will also probably not be dropping in value much at all. The Honda Rebel, on the other hand, is probably in my mind, a, a slightly, only from personal taste, a slightly cooler version 
uh, well, a slightly cooler angle on bike with regards to the Yamaha. You'll be losing out on a bit of engine size, but it's got great customization potential. And these are very, very comfortable bikes, these Honda Rebels. Between the two of those, it will be, it will be purely down to personal taste, the style of bike that you like. The Rebel will be a more manageable bike with the lower seat height and also the smaller engine size. So it will come down to personal taste, but both of them will have that Honda, the Japanese reliability and be very, very good bikes in their own right. Then we come to the Kawasaki Vulcan. And this is the most interesting comparison between the two. The Kawasaki Vulcan at a 2010 model or a Honda Rebel at a 2020 model, 10 years newer, but you're paying about the same price for both of them. What do you go for? My money, having been blown away by what you get for your money, would be on, and it's a tough one, it would be on the 12-year-old Kawasaki Vulcan at £4,000 because to be able to get such, such a, a complete cruiser, with a 900cc engine that looks that good, that will stand up looks-wise to anything. Oh, you could tour the world on it. You can go for Sunday meets. You can bomb along the motorway at whatever speed you fancy. You can take a passenger on the back with a backrest and panniers, and it can be your, your forever everything bike. So if it were my money, I would actually go for the 10-year-older Kawasaki Vulcan over the Honda Rebel. And the final one is the Royal Enfield Classic 350. What you get with this is a brand new bike, which is one of the best looking bikes on the market right now. It's roughly the same price as the Kawasaki and the Honda, but you get that peace of mind of buying a brand new bike. How much how much is that peace of mind worth? You're, you're trading off a gigantic amount of power and engine size here when comparing it to the Kawasaki Vulcan and the Honda Rebel and, of course, the Yamaha XSR700. Gigantic amounts of power, huge amount of engine size, yet you get glorious build quality, you get timeless good looks, and even though it's a brand new bike, this will not be losing much value at all. It can't get much cheaper than £4,300. My guess would be, if you buy a Royal Enfield Classic 350 for £4,300 now, in three years' time, when the warranties run out, it won't be worth much less than £3,500. I genuinely believe that. You really will not be losing much more than £200 a month in depreciation. So... You can buy that even as a new bike with the peace of mind that you are not going to lose out on much. Now, I'm no speed freak with bikes, but if I had to make a decision between those five bikes, and it, it is very hard, it would probably for me come down to two. It would come down to the Kawasaki Vulcan 2010 model, £4,000, or it would be the Yamaha XSR 700. And the reason I've gone for these two as my final shortlist is because they have the power and the physical size 
to mean that you won't be looking to upgrade in a year or two. And you did say you're looking for your first big bike. So I'm going to go for the fact that you're happy to get a bigger engined one. If I had to pick between the two, my personal preference would be the Kawasaki Vulcan. And there is a reason for this, Dermot. I've traditionally enjoyed the, the naked motorcycles um, and also the modern classics with regards to my Bonneville now. But I went on a ride. I went on a nice, a lovely tour to, uh, to Devon in the summer last year in England. Monica was on the back and we went all around the beautiful Devon countryside, all along the north coast and the south coast. And we had the Bonneville king and queen seat panniers and it was a just a glorious experience but going on that ride it it also made me think how amazing it would be to do this on a big full-size cruiser completely sit back chilled out and just enjoying everything around you you lose a lot of the dynamism but there is something very magical about riding a cruiser i did it when i was on the volcano hunt in tenerife a week and a half ago and just seeing those harley davidson snake around the mountain pass and getting that kawasaki vulcan would do exactly the same thing it is chilled out laid back lazy riding and i mean that in the best possible way so if i had to pick purely personal preference between the Yamaha XSR 700 and the Kawasaki Vulcan, I would go for the Kawasaki Vulcan. Right, I move on. One more sip of banana liqueur. Just one, just one cube of ice poured on top. Oh, it's so good, so good. Okay, for the final part, of today's episode. I actually got an email from Nick, and I like this. Nick, Moto UK, he's got a YouTube channel, I'm, I'm a big fan, nice guy. He said, Freddie, I was just looking at Auto Trader the other night, as I would love to get the first ever motorcycle I ever owned back in the stable. This is great. At the, the ripe old age of 16, still at school just, I bought a burgundy colored Yamaha FS1EDX. I mean, talk about a bike name that rolls off the tongue. A Yamaha FS1E DX, the most forgettable name I've ever, ever heard. Not just because it doesn't roll off the tongue, but also who the hell can remember a bike name like that? Surely it should have something cool, especially if it's a 125cc. You want to appeal to younger riders. But let's forget about that name that I'm gonna to have to keep referring back to because I'll never remember it. Uh, I continue. I had a burgundy coloured Yamaha FS1E DX with brake disc and the non-pedal version secondhand for £300. I was so proud of that little bike and even got to ride it to school for a few, the few months I had remaining. It was so mint and I wish I'd kept it. And recently I was looking to see the prices they were back in the day when they were launched and I stumbled across this new paper ad. And this is amazing. So at the launch back in 1977, to my surprise, they were £199. And I'm looking here at the original advert from Yamaha, and it's a newspaper advert, and it says in big, blow, big bold writing, great news from Yamaha, the recommended retail price of the Yamaha FSE1 is now only £199, including VAT. And it's this beautifully old style 
simple strip back. It must be a 125, maybe 50cc. I'm guessing 125cc. Gloriously Japanese looking motorcycle. No plastic at all. Sim simple single front headlamp on the front. Slightly weirdly large amount of space between the front wheel and the actual engine, but I'm guessing that's just because the engine's so small and it's got a flat seat with pea shooter exhaust. Looks like a great bike. Very, very simple. But the thing that interested me that what Nick sent over is that if you want one now, this simple, unassuming, basic, just... Uh, the most simple bike you can imagine. There's nothing groundbreaking here. There's no special technology. It was never made as a bike to break any records. Yet this simplicity from 1977 now translates to a used price of six and a half to seven and a half thousand pounds. And I'll just see if I can find any of these on eBay in the UK because that is an eye-opening amount of money for what is such a simple bike, but it just shows that whether it's cars or bikes, if you've got the right eye for, for vehicles, what if it's two or four wheel, there is money to be made and there are investment opportunities absolutely everywhere. And it's not always the the Ferraris, the classic Ducatis of this world that, that do very well. You know, if you look at the cars, look at the old 1970s and 80s Fords, for example, the, the cars that were, were the most basic type of transportation, but now they're, they're all huge money. And it's often the vehicles that tug at our heartstrings from when we were younger, whether it's realistic attainable motorcycles from when we were younger or the, the Ducatis of this world. But a lot of the time, it's the very simple, simple vehicles, the simple motorcycles that we always dreamt of owning when we were younger. You know, a bike that we thought, wow, when I pass my test at the age of 18 or 21, I can actually go out and I can buy that. You know, the Suzuki Bandit 600s of this world, that's a bang on modern classic in my mind. I mean, the Suzuki Bandit 1200, I always talk about. That's a sure thing, a modern classic, as you can imagine. But the Bandit 600 as well. You know, these are bikes that we could all, all dream of owning. And I'm looking now, just before I end, I have to say this, Yamaha FS1s on eBay in the UK, there are 17 available. If you want a barn find in bad condition, in bad condition, 3,100 pounds, seven days left on the auction, 10 bids already in. If you want a nice looking purple one, six days left on the auction, 4,950 pounds, five bids have come in. If you want a ready, a show ready condition, stunning, just the most beautiful condition one I've seen here, in yellow, almost as new, almost as new, 1977 model, 7,000 pounds. Absolutely bang on, Nick. That is a brilliant shout. Okay, I'll end it there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Have an amazing week, and I'll speak to you in the next one.